Good morning, Kingdom Life, Kingdom Living Ministries. Am I coming out clear? Okay. Um, it is truly an honor to be with you. Um, I've been looking forward to this day for a long time, and it has come. And today is the day. And I can't thank God enough that this opportunity has come. And uh, my wife and I are excited because we are with our friends and family. We thank God for PD and Courtney and little Destin. Wow. <laughs> and uh, we thank God for uh, their lives and their ministry, their passion, and the call of God that's upon the both of them to do this work. Doing this work is not easy. Many people would want to believe it is, but it is not easy. And so we've been praying for them for God knows how long, but we've been just believing God. And um, I tell you that you are blessed because you have a man of God more than you could possibly imagine. I want to give honor to whom honors due, of course, in his absence, Pastor Lawrence Powell. I want to give honor to your pastor and the leaders of this great ministry. I wanna give honor to my wife who's with me and um, I'm so glad whenever she can be with me. It gives me a comfort, a level of comfort. And my spiritual father, who's also with me, our kids are here as well. The little one went to King Kids Church? Good, <laughs> all right. And so we are here. I wanna quickly go to the Word of God. Um, you will find me in Matthew chapter seven. And as you're turning, I want to also just ask for permission for this, and I was granted the permission. Um, the Lord has granted me the opportunity at this time to establish um, a parachurch ministry. And the name of it is Adareth Ministries. And you may wonder, what's Adareth mean? It's a Hebrew word for our English word, mantle. And uh, it's found in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 19, Elijah's mantle. This ministry, God has called us to establish it. I have a group of people who are with me who are bored. Actually, one of them is here this morning, Marcia, who's over the prayer band ministry of it. And uh, I just thank God for her being here. And um, we have a lot of work ahead of us. One of the particular things that we are called to do is to, um, it's called Operation Rebuild, which is to help build fund for Haiti. And the vision of it is to rebuild a nation by building the next generation, by educating the next generation. Uh, there is so much deficit in Haiti. Um, much of the work and of the resources that are being raised is to help build the restructuring of the land. And a lot of tourism is being promoted now, which is wonderful, but education is lacking. Uh, the kids are not getting adequate education. There are not many teachers to teach the children. And so there will not be sustainability to any rebuilding that may happen. And so we are trying to start this to raise funds for the long haul. And um, there are so many other things. We have two schools of ministry. One is on evangelism. One is on the gifts of the spirit. So please keep us in prayer because we have a long, a lot of work ahead of us. Great work because I believe that the church, the ministry of the church, the body of believers need to be taught and trained. So again, please keep us in prayer. 
to the word of God quickly here. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. If you're there, say amen. amen. I'm actually going to read it from three versions. And each version gives a sense of clarity. Beginning in the, with the New King James Version, it reads this way. Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. I'll say that again. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Wow. The Amplified Version reads it this way. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and spacious and broad is the way that leads away to destruction, and many are those who are entering through it. But the gate is narrow, contracted by pressure, and the way is straightened and compressed that leads away to life, and few are those who find it. The message version reads it this way. Don't look for shortcuts to God. The market is flooded with surefire, easygoing formulas for a successful life that can be practiced in your spare time. Don't fall for that stuff, even though crowds of people do. The way to life to God is vigorous and requires total attention. The reading of God's word. Amen. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity. Grant me clarity of thought and speech in Jesus' name. I want to start off with this question. Success. What is it? What is success our society holds the, has held the notion that success was power possession and or prestige due to the collapse of the housing market that injured our economy Americans today view success a bit differently <laughs> Americans view success more in terms now today of relationships and the achievement of personal goals rather than shallow pursuits and materialism. Wow, what a shift, should we say? Because many people would think people that are successful are those in the entertainment industry or in the business arena or whatever the case may be, those who have notoriety and prestige in our social arena and society, those are the people who are successful. Now, because of all of the shaking in the economic world, the beginnings of, of the change of what success really means is going from that which is shallow to that which is more social and concrete. Wow. But the question then lies, but how should we view success in relation to church ministry? Has our view of success changed as it has in the society of today? 
Is it in alignment with God's definition? What's so prevalent is with the church of the 21st century, what the culture has been doing is influencing and affecting how we visualize things should be in the church. It used to be that the driving force in the culture was the church. But now the driving force is the culture and the culture is influencing and driving the church to be a particular way, to see the world a particular way, to see things a particular way. And as a result, we look more like the world than the world looks like the church. And as a result, what just happened here on Friday with the Supreme Court making the decision that they did, we can see that the church has lost its influence upon the world. So then the question lies again, what is the definition of success that the church should have? Is that definition, that understanding, that view, that perspective, does it line up with God's view and definition of success? Because if it doesn't, we're in a big problem. When you look at the etymology of the word in the 1530s, it meant result or outcome. Then it began to change in about the 1580s. The meaning progressed to accomplishment of a desired end. Accomplishment of a desired end. The Latin word stems from a root word meaning to come after. When I saw that, I was like, oh, yes. Looking at this, we can see our English word secession, which is the act process or right by which one person succeeds to the office of another. I didn't give you the title of this, which is God's way or the highway. That's the title of this message. So when you look at the word, it, it success at its root leads to succession. Therefore, to have success in ministry, one must have secession. A church ministry does not find success in its present existence. That's one of the faults of today's ministries. Once we start getting going and things are happening, people are coming, money is coming and flowing and things are happening, we're successful. No. Success is not determined by what happens in our present existence, but it's in its potential future. Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Success in church ministry is found in something that is far greater than the superficiality of the exterior things that men judge to determine success. 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him. Mm. So many of these churches that we look on the exterior look good, but one of the things that God says, I've refused them. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For the man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the what? Heart. Yeah. 
Success is not found in the charisma of the preacher. That's one of the major problems going on and one of the erroneous ways of determining success in the ministry. They look at the charisma of the preacher. And so they make the error and say charisma must equate to anointing and character. Just because the preacher can get you emotional and get you jumping up and down and running all over the sanctuary does not mean that he's anointed and he is a person of character and integrity. One of the things that's happening is that these preachers that have large ministries begin to topple. And there is so much immorality that is taking place behind the pulpit. It used to be behind in the pews that this was prevalent, but now the sheets are being revealed and removed. And now we're finding our preachers, our pastors, our teachers, our ministers are in all kinds of mayhem and immorality. Whoa. So all of that hooping and hollering. Success if a ministry is not finding the exuberance of the ministry or music department. Just because the choir or the band plays and sings with exuberance and passion does not necessarily mean that's worship. It's just noise. We're, we're waiting for a new sound, a new noise to be heard. Really? From what I hear from the, old, from the New Testament, the angels sing over and over this same old song. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And then the Sanhedrin fall to their knees and take their crowns off. Why do you think they take their crowns off? Because their crowns are an extension of the sovereign one's authority. And when they come before his presence, they begin to recognize it's not us. It's you. Therefore, they bow down, take their crowns and cast it at his feet and say, it's you. It's you. Worship is not found in that which is outward. Worship is found on that which is inward. And one of the biggest mistakes that praise leaders make is seek to pump and drive the people to worship. If it's not in them, you're not going to get anything that is authentic and genuine. Success is not found in the numerical size of the assembly. That's a major problem as well. We look at a church and we say, oh, there's about how much? A thousand? Two thousand? Thirteen thousand? Fifty thousand? Well, that's a, that's a successful ministry. Could it possibly be that they've learned the business? Is it possible that they've learned the gimmicks and the tricks by which to garner people to come and get them to stay? Come on. Jesus in this text, in chapter 7, when you look at it, this is a continuation of a discourse that has been taking place in chapter 5. This is the sermon in the, of the mount or in the mount. 
he has been talking for a period of time and he comes to this section and he says something very startling. He says, many who go by the broad way and the wide gate, many find it. Many find it. So if you find a church with many people, it might just be they're on the broad way. I'm going to explain that a little later. But that's a very scary thought. A ministry success, oh, before I end that, it's not, success is not viewed by the numerical size of the assembly because we equate that to think that's church growth, but that's not church growth. Just because a church grows in numbers doesn't necessarily mean that it's church growth. Yeah, the church is growing numerically, but is it growing spiritually? Amen. Church growth is always about growth and development of the people you have. And as the numbers grow, the quality still remains. What is presently happening with all of these large churches, yeah, they got the numbers, but then you look at the quality. So they're sacrificing quality for what quantity as long as we have the quantity we happy who really cares about what quality success is not determined by large financial church account just because a church has a lot of money doesn't necessarily mean they're successful either the question to ask is where the money going where's the money well, we keep those things confidential. Really? Hmm, interesting. I'll leave that alone. None of these things are adequate in determining a ministry's success. Matter of fact, at times, they reveal a dark truth which Christ points to here in the text. True success is found according to what comes after secession. The biblical testimony of secession. Just to give you a few examples, Abraham was succeeded by who? Isaac. Isaac was succeeded by who? Jacob. Jacob was succeeded by who? His 12 sons. Moses was succeeded by who? Joshua. Don't be scared. You can say it. Elijah was succeeded by who? Elisha. Jesus was succeeded by who? The 12 disciples. One died, but it was replaced. Paul was succeeded by who? Timothy and Titus. The list can go on and on and on. Why? The biblical testimony is that secession sustains the work of the previous generation. Matter of fact, when you look at one of the names of God, God calls himself, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What is that about? God identifies himself with secession. The success of a ministry is determined by the soundness, the soundness of the succeeding generation. Now let's work with this text. These two verses spoken by Jesus are very sober yet revealing. 
He talks about two gates and two ways. Just to help you to understand these two gates and ways, what they symbolize. The gates symbolize salvation and the ways symbolize uh, discipleship. Discipleship. <sighs> the narrow gate talks about contraction by pressure. The wide gate signifies the lack of pressure. No pressure involved. When you, you can come, but no pressure. No pressure to conform. No pressure to receive any formal instruction. No pressure. Come as you are, says the statement. The narrow way is difficult, while the broad way is what? Easy. Wow. The narrow way produces few disciples, while the wide or broad way produces many churchgoers. Another way of putting it, religious people. The gates. How do we identify the gates? Again, their salvation. How is a person saved? A person is brought into salvation by the preaching of the gospel. And I'm going to hammer this right here and right now in a very brief way. The reality is the gospel that has been preached lately is a gospel that is pseudo. A gospel that is false, a gospel that produces half-breeds, a gospel that produces butterflies that should be butterflies, but were brought out before their time, and so they're a mix of a caterpillar and a butterfly. If you ever see that, that is the worst kind of a condition to be in. Because that insect will not survive. It's come out of its cocoon too soon. We preach some message and expect the person to make a decision right then and there. After five minutes of you bringing the gospel, the gospel message, and you expect this person now to make a lifelong committed decision to a person that he has no full awareness of knowledge Yet you expect this person to make such a decision. And then you then say, because you prayed this prayer that he has no identification with because he doesn't fully understand the fullness of the gospel. Yet you say now he's born again. In what kingdom is that to be so? And that is why in many of these churches you see crowds of people but truly indeed they're not born again they have no concept of salvation they only know churchianity and not the Christ of Christianity sad day sad day and pastors hammer at the word Hammer at the word, spending hours and hours of meditation and preparation to bring a 30, 40. That's another thing. 30 minutes to bring a word. When you're in college, how long is your class? 50 minutes at least 
Sometimes three hours. And here's the thing. We want you to come to church and get 30 minutes of instruction for your week. And we expect you to be a stalwart individual in Christ. Try eating 30 minutes a week. 30 minutes, you sit there and you eat, and that's supposed to carry you for a whole week. Imagine, come on, work with me now, just think about it. You would be mad every day. Why? Because you're hungry. You come to church not to be emotionally stimulated. That's, that's the problem. Preachers now are preaching to get an emotional response not a life confirmation that brings about what? Transformation. Stay the same, don't make no difference. Just keep coming and get emotionally happy. We're preaching a gospel that puts no pressure on anyone. We're afraid of offending people. Christ had no problem offending people because he allowed the word to do the work. If you have a problem being offended, I didn't offend you. The word offended you because the word is putting on you a requirement in order for you to have what it says for you to have. You've got to align yourself with what it requires you to have. Jesus had no problem offending anyone. The young rich ruler came to him and he said to him, listen, you're right. But this is still one thing you miss. Go sell everything. And come follow me. The Bible says he left there upset. He left upset. Why are you upset? Jesus didn't chase him either. He said, wait, 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 wait. Okay, wait, wait, wait. That was too much. All right, all right, all right. Let me, let me water this down for you. That's our problem. We're watering down the gospel. It's so watered down, it has no medicinal properties at all. When Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the dunamis of God. We talk about be filled with the Holy Ghost and dunamis power. Did you realize you had dunamis always with you, ready and available by the preaching of the gospel, but because you're waiting for some kind of a stimuli, some kind of a goosebump, some kind of a shrill, or some kind of a thing, so you to do something to have power. Power is always with you. Ways, the ways, the once you pass through the gate, the narrow gate means get rid of your baggage. Get rid of your baggage. Christ's work at the cross doesn't need anything from you to help what he did. Christ's sacrifice doesn't need any supplemental help. It is good all by itself. When you ask people today who claim to be Christians, if you were to die today, where would you spend eternity? They say, well, I would hope to make it in. Wait a minute, hope? Wait a minute, I thought you said you were a believer, that you're saved. Right, but you know, you know how things are. I'm not perfect. Wait, I know that you may not be perfect, but the reason for your salvation is not based on your imperfection trying to be perfect. It's based on the fact 
of someone who is already perfect, who did something perfect for you. That's what determines your salvation. So when people tell you, I hope, that means they have no under, clear understanding of the gospel. Then once you get through the gates, you now get on the way. Now you're, you're saved, you're walking down the path under salvation and discipleship. Which actually is a book by uh, a, a writer called Imes. Leroy Imes, he wrote a book, The Lost Art of Disciple Making. It truly is a lost art. Because really, many of these major churches aren't doing it. Sunday school, which was the educational arm of the church, didn't start off that way, but was an ingenious way to bring children to Christ and their families to Christ. This was an arm-reaching ministry, brought many to Christ, many to the church. Many people alive today can testify of the validity and the effectiveness of Sunday school. We've gotten away with it. It's old school. It's antiquated. It's archaic. It worked. That's right. Today, there's so many biblical illiterate people yes. who are sitting in church, been there for 15 years, and don't know who Abraham is. It is believed that the phrase my way or the highway was first made by a lord, chancellors of England named Thomas Egerton. God is not investing his kingdom resources to ministries. You got to listen to this. That are not invested in church secession. When that came out of my mouth, I said, oh, that's good. I need to write that down. And as I wrote it down, I was like, oh, that's tough. Church secession is defined as I give it the production of strong believers and strong churches into the next generation. God is not investing his kingdom resources to ministries that are not invested in church secession, but are only pursuant of producing church goers. There are resources that the king of the kingdom desires to give churches. It's not only just money. It's other spiritual realities that bless the people of God and help them to fulfill their assignment on earth and enable the kingdom of God to advance. But if we're not invested in the process, then God says, well, if you're not about what my agenda is, then guess what? I'm going to go to somebody who is. I'm going to go to a ministry that is about this. And one of the biggest mistakes that small churches make, because we're small, we can't really accomplish nothing. We're not successful. Lie from the pit of hell. A call to success is a call to church secession. And God is calling this ministry to be successful. Don't compromise the gospel is the first thing I want to tell you. I don't care how small or how big you remain or get. Don't 
compromise the gospel. And I know you're a man of God that that is his passion to preach the full counsel of God and to present the gospel as Christ did. But the temptation will always be there. If I want to build this ministry quick and bring in the numbers, let me just make it a little easier for people to respond. Never. Never. Christ had crowds of people and he would preach it the same, even though his ministry did dwindle down to the cross with one. To, to one. To one. But he never compromised his message. You must never compromise the message. I don't care what the government says or what other minister or ministries don't compromise the gospel. The day you compromise the gospel is the day you cut off that stream from the kingdom of God of his resources to enrich what you do. Number two, don't sugarcoat the Christian walk. You know, certain, certain candies or certain things to make it palatable to the flavor, what do they do? They put sugar, they coat the thing with sugar. And so the immediate thing that you taste is not the bitterness of whatever you're eating, it's that sugar that's laced it. And then after you sucked on it a while, you begin to see, oh, that's what that thing I was sucking on, it really is. What happens is the Christian walk is tough. It is difficult. It is challenging. It is enduring. It requires focus and determination and diligence. But the problem is we don't want to present that. Because if we do, not many people would want to stay. We tell people when you come to, when you come to Christ, all is well. And that's true and that's not true. It's true because no matter what you go through, Jesus is with you. But we must not tell people that all is well when the reality of life is true. The difficulties, the pains, the heartaches, the loss of loved ones, all of these things are realities that make life bitter and difficult and make you want to forsake God and everything of God. But it is in those moments that God comes through and gives you grace and mercy yeah. and all kinds of things that enable you to walk this walk. Yeah. Don't sugarcoat the Christian walk. Number three, don't accept individualism in church secession. This is the American spirit. Part of it is individualism. I'm doing my own thing. No, that's not how God made this thing to work. And so in church secession, it cannot be that it is given, this weight is given to the pastor alone. Yes, he is the one that spearheads it, but he's not the one that bears it alone. He can't possibly do that alone. Therefore, church secession requires a koinonia spirit. It requires all hands on deck. It requires every member of an assembly to get together, to band around the vision, and to labor diligently together 
in whatever the capacity may be that we are called upon. And it's not in a formal setting. That's another thing, that I've got to become this kind of professional minister. No, it doesn't require any title. It doesn't require any uh, long, durable training. What it requires is a willingness and a drive and a passion for Christ. What it requires that we understand that it's not formality, but this informal reality of relationship. We must present this Christ-like walk informally. But as we go our daily routines, when we're at home, our children see Christ and that, that compassion and love of the Lord. It's when we're at work, when we're in, in, our, in a shopping mall, wherever we may be, that we're strengthening the brethren. Koinonia is a powerful concept and term in the Bible. That's not this message, though. There's a whole lot to it. And it's very important that this local assembly gathers around that spirit. Thus, to recap some important points before I close. To have success, one must have secession. The success of a ministry is determined by the soundness of the succeeding generation. Number three, church secession is where a church that produces strong believers and strong churches into and for the next generation. Fourthly, to accomplish this task, we must not compromise the gospel. We must not sugarcoat the Christian walk. And we must not accept an individualistic spirit in church secession. My last words of the late Miles Monroe. He is quoted saying on a television broadcast called Elance TV about November of 2014, right before um, he died. He says, true leadership is measured by what happens after you die. This is why true leaders don't invest in buildings. They invest in people. If everything you have done dies with you, you are a failure. Success without a successor is failure. Your legacy should not be in buildings, programs, and projects. Your legacy must be in people. Success, however it may be presently, without secession, is failure. Why is that? Because there is no longevity, no sustainability into the future. So it dies with whoever started it. It never moves on. It's like a shooting star. Here one moment, go on the next. This is a prophetic word to this house. Because and pre preparing for this, this message morphed. <laughs> it started to be about different points on how the church can be successful. And then it moved to talking about discipleship. Then the Lord said, mm -mm, you, you, you're around the ballpark. And then when I looked at the word again, success, and saw secession, it just leaped in my spirit. And I was like, oh, 
I found it. It's secession. And then I was praying. And what came out of my mouth, caught, I was like, whoa, that's, that's a word right there. And it was this. You know, in Matthew 5, 24, 14, it says, you are likened unto a city on a hill. And the Lord came out in prayer. You're a church on a hill. But that's not what the word was. You're a church on many hills. That's what blew my mind. You're a church on many hills. This church right now is in seed form. Jesus says, if you take a seed and you plant it in the ground and it does not die, it remains alone. But if it dies, it will produce a harvest. I hate to put it because I'm just getting it this way now. You have had hardships through this process since you took this ministry over. When your father passed away, that was tough. But that was the beginnings of your journey as you took over this ministry. And God is saying that the road has been difficult, but it had to be. Why? Because I was breaking the outer shell of the seed to release the life that abides within. And now that it is released, now it will be watered. Now it will be watered. Now the ground in which you are shall be watered. And as it is watered, it will grow into a tall tree on a hill. But the fruit will be born from it. And just like apples on an apple tree, when it comes to maturity, will fall from the tree. And as it is round, not square, it will roll. Mm -hmm. Many trees, many, uh, uh, many apples will fall and remain in place. Some will fall and roll a little far, but not too far from the actual tree. But then there will be those that will fall and roll down the hill to other hills and be planted as well. And the Lord says, get ready for those times when it comes, because each apple represents a church. Each apple represents a pastor. Each apple represents a ministry that shall be birthed from this local assembly. So prepare for the days of secession, for they dawn upon you. For I grant you the grace to raise up these ministries. I grant you the grace now to raise up men, 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 to raise up men and ministries that will go far and wide and near. And they will reach lives for the sake of the kingdom. And they shall do great works. Why? Because they come from a stump that is great. Roboshetemande. Mm. Get ready for the hardship because the hardship's about to pay due. The hardship is about to pay due. Oh, Shamande. 
And the Lord says, I will compensate you for your troubles. I will compensate you for all the things that you have had to endure. There has been financial loss through the process. Yes, I know. But son, understand that it's just part of the process. What you do not realize nor see today is that in your future, you are, shall be financially amply compensated. For I am a faithful master, says the Lord. I'm faithful over what I do. I'm faithful. I see what you're doing, your diligence and your fidelity to me and to the people in which you shepherd. I will compensate you. I will compensate you more than you could possibly understand nor imagine. I will compensate the both of you. For I've seen you go and come and go and come and go. And the Lord says, now I shall stabilize you. I shall stabilize you from the going and the coming and the going and the coming. I will stabilize you. You will be in a fixed position, no longer running to and fro to make an earning. You shall be fixed. You shall be immovable. You shall grow and you shall flourish, says the Lord. I will flourish you, daughter. I will cause you to shine as the bell that you are. Southern bell, southern bell, southern bell. And I bless you this day, says the Lord. Oh, mahre. He most nepende i perantaki, brokon de lebestangi, shelebestan nanaya. And I cause my cloud now to come, my cloud now to come and to water and to irrigate your land. Amen. And to cause the land to become moist. Hallelujah. Mm. The dryness shall no longer be. Hedebasho. You've been breaking up fallow ground through your prayers. You've been breaking fallow ground through your preaching. You've been breaking fallow ground through your counseling. You've been breaking fallow ground to listening to the complaints and the murmurs and the grumblings of those who are with you and those who have left. But now I am irrigating your land and causing it to be moist. Thank you, Lord. And you shall know harvest. You shall know harvest in various ways, in various ways, in various ways. For I call the north to give up what it should. I call the south to give up what it should. I call the west to give up what it should. I call the east. Give up what it should so that this land may be saturated. So that this land may be so. There will be so much moisture that the running, the waters will run. The waters will run. The waters will run and run over. The land shall be saturated. Ah, the land shall be moist and rich to produce the maximum that it should. For I am watching over my land, son and daughter. I'm watching over it that it may produce. And when it produce, you will move to the next stage of ministry. When it produce, you will move to the next stage of ministry. <laughs> And there are more that are coming to help you. You don't see them today, but you will see them shortly. And they are going to come with tools in their hand. 
They're not coming empty handed. They're not coming empty handed. They have come with tools in their hand to get ready to work and to help. You're not going to have to pour into these ones. They're coming already equipped and they're not going to 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 buck against your leadership. They're not going to subvert your authority, but they're going to bow and prostrate to the authority that is upon you for it is an extension of mine. Son, receive them. They will do you well. They will not harm you. They will not rob you, but they will serve you for it is unto me. Mm. Get ready for a great work. Get ready for a great season that dawns on the both of you. Hallelujah. Strength to you. Strength to you. Strength to you. For the enemy has been bucking against your own mind. Bucking against your own mind. But I say strength to you. Resist him steadfast in the faith. Mm, thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. Can we just praise him right where we, where, where we are? Bless them right where you are. Bless them right where you are. Father, we thank you and we bless your name. We thank you for this word that you would speak over your son and over your daughter. I give you praise for your glory. And I thank you for speaking to them. And I pray for this local assembly as I regularly pray, Father, for Kingdom Living Ministries. Thank you for what you're about to do and what is already set in place in your purpose and your will and in your calendar. Thank you, Father, for what you're accomplishing even now. And I pray, Father, the peace of God rest on each one of these. Oh, yes, I pray for the peace of God to rest upon each of these. For there are many needs and concerns that are in this room. And Father, I pray for them. I pray for the Spirit of God to go even now to address these issues and these needs. Father, for those who are looking for employment, for employment, I pray, let the door of opportunity come, not later, but sooner. I pray, Father, that it be the job of their dreams. I pray, Father, that it be a job that amply meets the needs that they have. I pray, Father, that what they've desired, they attain. And I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, that there's one here, Father, that has been longing for a position on the job they're already on to be, give way to them. I pray now that no longer, Father, do they feel the need or the temptation to kiss up to get that position? But I pray for the favor of God now. The favor, yeah, yeah. Shalande, the favor of God to rest on them. 
in the name of Jesus. Speak to that, to that person in the position of authority. Speak to human resources. Speak to co-workers to give a word of, 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 of a promotion, Father. I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Thank you for doing it, God. Thank you for doing it. Shetandi kato aparante. Thank you, Jesus. Let us stand to our feet. I feel the Lord is doing something and he's just blessing me. Because I want to sit down and just get out the way, but the Lord says, I'm not done yet. <laughs> if the musicians want to play something, that's fine. Be my guest. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Can we just, just bless him right where we are? Hallelujah. Oh, glory. Glory, glory, glory. There's someone in here that from time to time you get severe headaches, like migraines, and it afflicts you. At times it's so bad that tears run out of your eyes because the pain is just that bad. If that's you, just slip up your hand so I can see who I'm ministering to. That's you? Come to me. Lebeshando. Just lift your hands. Close your eyes. Father, I thank you that you would reveal this by the word of knowledge. And I thank you, Father, that what you reveal, my God, it is your determination and your will to do. So now, Father, I thank you by faith in your power and in your word and by your spirit. I lay hands on this, your daughter, and pray that these migraine headaches cease. As you said, I said, I break this off of this, your daughter, in the name of Jesus. You foul spirit of infirmity that would afflict the child of God with this infirmity. I now cancel your assignment and send you back to your master defeated with a report that says you failed. Thank you for healing now and whatever else that may be going on in her temple. I pray, Father, from the crown of her head to the soles of her feet, she be healed in the name of Jesus. And right where you stand, just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for healing me and delivering me from these migraine headaches in the name of Jesus. I give you praise, O oh God, in Jesus' name. There's someone here that has an issue with their foot. As quickly as I was praying for her, I received this. You, you've got a toe issue. I don't know what the issue is, but your toe hurts. And it, wh whoever that may be, just quickly come to the front and I'll pray with you real quick. It's not a long drawn out prayer, but God is doing something in your foot. I remember just about a month ago ministering at a conference and the Lord gave me a word of a woman or someone who had an issue in their foot where the nerves, they, they, it was like there was no feeling in their foot. Come to find out at the end, she was like, that was me. And I have feeling in my foot. Just that fast. You may have stubbed your toe and injured it somewhere or whatever the case may be. 
God is touching you right where you stand. There's another person here, I think it's a woman. You've been having issues in your abdomen. If that's you, please lift your hands. Everyone close your eyes. Sometimes people are very shy and not want to confess. That's happened so many times at the end of a service, they'll come to me and say, that was me, but I was, I was scared. If that's you, come, come. Or at least let me see your hand. right where she stands you wouldn't point it out if you weren't going to heal it so the fact that you pointed it out we thank you for healing her right where she stands so we rebuke this pain in the name of Jesus we speak soundness borabasheke in the name of Jesus. Repair that muscle, Holy Spirit. Repair it, repair it. We thank you for you are master in this place. Thank you for healing. Thank you for healing. Ooh, Jesus. Hey, hey, hey. Yabashuku. Labasiki. Robashiki, yeah. That's the joy of the presence of the Lord. I thank you. Woo! Jesus. Woo! Glory. Manta Hiko Mosha. Glory to God. Oh. I'm getting another thing, and it's kind of not a comfortable thing to share. This is not always easy when he puts me in these positions. <laughs> There's someone here who's been having... Okay, Lord, I'm going to do it that way. There's someone here who's been having issues with regularity. You have an issue of constipation. I'm not going to ask you to come for it because that's a bit private. But you have this issue and it's been prolonged which is very dangerous. And the Lord is dealing with it and he's saying, I'm healing that today. Today. And this is how you know it's you because you've been taking things at the um, CVS or the Walgreens. You've been trying to look up what could possibly be going on and because it's just not going and it's, there's uncomfortability associated with it. But the Lord says, I'm healing you of that today. The irregularity ceases 
and now you will be regular what are any kind of supplemental things to take to go this is being restored normality in that wise is being restored matter of fact i can see it in the spirit there's some sort of blockage but the lord is by the holy spirit i see him illuminating it and he's going through he's going through right where you stand and he's cleaning that area out when you get home today you're going to recognize the difference Grande disa pante tamando sokoko lebetini mantoku rabasha in the precious name of Jesus Hallelujah mm, Jesus Son I'm with you Son I'm with you The Lord says I am with you The road has been challenging and you've been saying Lord where are you are you with me I don't I don't see you, I don't hear you, I don't feel you. I can't sense you, but the Lord says, I've been with you all this time. But now I'm calling you to a deeper place because the reason that you can't sense me, the reason that you can't hear me, the reason that you can't sense the way it's been is because I've moved. Now move with me. Move with me, move with me, move with me. Move where the wind blows you. Move to a greater place of maturity. Move to a greater place of purpose. Seek me like you've never sought me. That's what's going on. I'm trying to woo you to myself, moving you from where you've been because where you've been is stale. Now move, says the Lord. It's dry places where you are because I've moved. There's no moisture because I've moved. There's no wind because I've moved. There's no life because I've moved. Now move. And as you move, your family will move. As you move, your finances will move. As you move, things will change and happen for the better. Mm. Move, son. Move. Move in the spirit. Move with me. And I will bless you far beyond your wildest dreams. Your children be blessed. Your wife will be blessed. Your finances will be blessed, says the Lord. And your relationship with me will be even stronger than what you knew before. And I'm planting you here. Yes, you go here, but I'm planting you, says the Lord. And I'm putting manure to fertilize the soil where you are in this church. So that you can produce good fruit. I've drawn you here to receive ministry, says the Lord, so that in turn, in time, you will minister. So get yourself ready and move with me. And as you move, you'll see your life so far much better than what it's ever been, says the Lord. Are you working? You working? Where do you work? Well, I start my new job tomorrow. Well, look at God. Look at God. All right. Now I'm going to have fun with this one. Bless your name. Can I get through here? Yes, Lord. Lift your hands. Lift your hands. Lift your hands. You're not going to fall. <laughs> Glory to God. I haven't seen that happen in a while, though. Glory to God. Glory to God. I guess God wants people to listen more than fall. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, 
What's your name again? Angel. Angel. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And the Lord would say to you, Angel, the Lord, the Lord would say to you, Daughter, I have ended your drought. Mm. I have ended your drought. Thank you, Jesus. I have sovereignly ended your drought. And now I'm going to cause the dryness now to begin to flourish. Thank you, Jesus. Because you have felt less of a person because you've not been working. But now I restore that self-worth and dignity. Thank you, Jesus. And I bless these hands because these hands are about to do great things. Because you're going to help shape lives and minds. And I'm taking you there so that you can pour into minds and to be available to let your hands touch and embrace the lives of those that will come to you in these classes. Thank you, Jesus. You may not be able to do it formally, but informally shall you do it. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And I'm going to give you strategy Thank and you, tactic Jesus. on how to do what you shall be doing in the spirit in your classroom. Thank you, Jesus. And I want you to get up a little early, says the Lord, just to pray. Yes, Lord. Just to pray. To pray not for yourself, but for the children and for those whom you shall instruct. Thank you, Jesus. Because their families aren't praying anymore. Their families aren't praying anymore. And these children have no expression of true spirituality. But you're going to be that example. And you're going to be that point person. So please get up in the morning and pray. Pray for them. Make this a regular habit. And I'm going to show you some things. And I will favor you on this new assignment. Oh, Jesus. Woo! Mm. Oh, my God. My God. My God. Is your husband here? Oh, look at that. <laughs> Blessed be your name. Sir, are you working? Good. You like your job? It's cool. Do you want a better job? <laughs> Close your eyes. Sorry. Lift your hands. Blessings. Father, I pray by the authority that you vested in me that you, Lord, would open up a better door of employment. I speak that. I speak that. That he would earn more. More, Father, in the name of Jesus. Let the next six months demonstrate this for the glory of your name that even this local assembly would be the recipient of such blessing that not only his life and that of his family but that of this ministry in the name of Jesus somebody shout amen, amen. glory to God I'm wrapping up I'm wrapping up I am wrapping up I want <laughs> You want prayer too? Jesus. How long ago did you give birth? 10 
Jesus, I pray for her vessel. Touch it, Lord. Jesus. And the Lord would say, son, you've been walking with me for a little while now. Now I'm preparing you for an assignment. You're going to be doing more than you think you're going to be doing. I did not call you to come to sit. I called you to come to learn because I'm going to soon raise you up to be one that will be a part of my company of ministers that will shed abroad the word of God in supernatural ways. Signs and wonders are going to follow you in ways that you have not perceived. You're going to do some extraordinary things that you didn't call yourself to, nor did you expect nor think yourself worthy to do. But signs and wonders shall follow you, says the Lord. You may say, but that's not like me. Well, guess what? I'm calling you to be that way and I'm going to use you in times at this altar your own pastor will call you in times and say I want you to pray for so and so because guess what PD would do that often but guess what the Lord says things will begin to happen and I'm going to increase your level of discernment the gift of the discerning of spirits will work strong in you you will pick up spirits far before they even get to you. And I so cool my day. And I'm even going to cause you to hear them, cause you to smell them, cause you to see them. And the Lord says, I'm giving you a great ministry of deliverance. Oh, makalabeshalandolabokesh. So get ready for a season to come. And I'm going to train you in through not just the word, but in experience. I'm going to cause things to happen. Put you in situations. Oh my God, thank you, Jesus. And I will teach you. I will train you. I'm not going to leave you out there. But I will teach you. I will train you. And signs and wonders shall follow you. As my word says it should. You're going to be steeply immersed in the supernatural steeply immersed in the supernatural you may say but Lord that's not me the Lord says I'm calling you to that so get ready for a great life ahead of you in the supernatural glory to God says the Lord mm. Jesus glory to God glory to God Let, lift our hands one last time and just worship him I am done. I'm transitioning it over to your pastor. But this, let's just bless him and worship him. Glory to God in the highest. Glory to God. Mm. 
Jesus. Thank you, Father. We bless you. Jesus. Woo! Thank you, Father. We bless you, Father. We love you, Lord. We honor you, Father. There is no one like you, Father. There is no one like you. God, you are God alone. And Lord, we thank you, Father, for the ministry. Brother Evans, Father, we thank you for what you've spoken to us. Oh, God, we bless your name, Father. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise you, Father. Thank you. Thank you. Were you blessed today?